Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with humanist co-founder and CEO, Farzad Khosravi. He is an entrepreneur looking to build humane, civic-oriented technology that improves our world. He believes that we need to reverse the trend of misinformation and hate that we see online if we are to save our society. A scientist at heart and an immigrant who grew up in Kentucky, he has learned early the value of skeptical inquiry. He is passionate about creating a better society for all of us. Us, and he's doing just that. Enjoy this interview. Hi, Joe. Barzad, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, I'm good. How's life? Very good. I just um, I came back from Japan well, four days ago, and then now I'm in California, which I love. Before I go to Toronto, so, good stuff. All oh around. man, are you kidding me? That's wonderful. I if I was in yeah. Japan, man, I would eat fish until I couldn't even think straight. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was, it's funny, because I love sushi so much, but I was having so little sushi there, and in fact, my first five days, I didn't even touch sushi. Oh, wow. And I was kind of amazed, because there's so much other good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, and I, yeah, that's... You know, it's interesting about Toronto, my son, who's on the spectrum, um, I took mm -hmm. him, and he gets to go to some special events sometimes, and we went to Royal Stadium, I'm in Kansas City, and... One of the players, Nikki Lopez, is really big about the special needs community. So mm. he came around and started talking to everybody in the meet and greet. And I was like, what's the, what's, what's the city that you all love to go to? Like, you might be a little hungover the next day. You might just be a little bit out of whack. And he said, it's always Toronto. Like, Toronto is one of the really? best cities. Yeah. He said, it's really cool there. So I do really enjoy it. To me, it is like a little cleaner, less chaotic New York City. Yeah. For again, for North American standards. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm excited to go there. Have you lived there before? No, I've never been up there. I'd love to get up there. I love the way the Canadians roll. So there's a level of me that would really feel, uh, good about being up there. So, um, I, I went to Windsor when I went to Detroit years ago and, uh, kind of skirted up in that direction. So, but never been really into the wild, which would be great. So, um, beautiful. But it's nice to meet you. Thank you for taking a minute out for the program. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, same to you. Thanks for considering me. You bet. So before we get into your life, I love the background, by the way. I've been there to Frisco. <laughs> An interesting tidbit that, uh, from what I understand, they paint that bridge every day. What? I didn't know that. Yeah, every day. What? Something gets painted on that bridge because <laughs> of all the wear and tear and just the length of it. So, um, so if you're ever on Jeopardy. But... So the first thing I would like to ask you is this. We all survived COVID. The last three years has been quite a thing. How did you get through it? And how has it changed the way that you live your life and view things now? Yeah, COVID, the obvious thing it did for me was it actually brought my friend group much closer. And I've always been aware, I should say hyper aware of the concept of loneliness in modern life and especially in, in North America and the U.S., because of the readings I do, right? I, more famously, Robert Putman um, had came out with the book Bowling Alone in the late 90s, and since then, the, the concept and the idea and the prevalence of it in our society has only increased. So when COVID started, I was very lucky to be living with a lot of close friends, and it actually brought us way closer because we could only hang out with each other, right? We had that social isolation group. But at the same time, it did the opposite for a lot of other people. And 
it underscored the importance of having that tribe for me and how much happier I am when I have that. Yeah. Because I'm someone who loves to travel and loves to go out to eat and loves to like go out to drink. I wasn't able to do that, yet I was quite happy because I was spending so much time with my friends. But at the same time, it uh, reminded me of how few people have access to that and how few times I have access to it in normal life. So speaking of community, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into what you yep. do, which is a part of what your your mission is. If I was to put you in front of a bunch of third graders right now at a career day, and one of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? Mm-hmm. Um, two ways. I help other people grow their business, and I help people find amazing information to understand the world better. So I'm like your little personal librarian. I'm like nice. your librarian. Yeah. So what did you want to be when you were in the third grade, when you were younger? What was your vision? <laughs> Too many things. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be an astronaut more than anything. You know, when I was a little kid, I was born in Iran, actually. And, you know, in Iran, they really try very hard to to manipulate you with propaganda to hate the West. But I remember always being like, oh, maybe the West is like a little bad, but I want to be an American astronaut. I want to be a NASA astronaut. They're really cool. That's always a, been a big dream of mine. Still is. Don't get me wrong. But um, I learned that I don't have uh, some of the fundamental skill sets for it. And uh, other things were teacher, lawyer, actor, classic things that you want to become. You know? So you obviously are a very highly driven, a lot of octane in what you do in your life. Take me back yeah. to where you were born and raised. And what were the seeds that were put into you to grow into who you are today? Yeah, yeah. So I was born in Iran, and I think one of the fundamental experiences I had was that whole experience of, hey, they, they, you know, you're faced with all this propaganda or and a very different way of life than what we have in the States. And coming to the States and having everything I believed in or everything I was taught to, to accept be upended by the life I'm living here now and the reality of, of what I see here now. Granted, I was eight years old, but believe it or not, at seven or eight in schools, they make you like burn American flags and, and chant death to America. I've heard they don't really do that anymore, but still, that has an effect on a kid when they come to America. And that reality reminded me of the importance of luck, right? Like the only reason why I got out of that world and I'm able to be the person I am today is I was lucky enough to be born into a family who brought me to the States. And then I was lucky enough to have experiences in the States that didn't make me say, you know, oh, you know, America is this terrible imperialistic place and everyone's racist, but rather to be like, no, 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 America is amazing and I love it and it's much better than what I had in, you know, what my family had and what my family has back in Iran. And that, fundamentally has shaped everything that I do. For example, my, my latest startup Cicero, it's all centered around getting people better information because it was that better information that helped me come out of the, the hole or the, the darkness that I was in. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So in that pursuit that you've had in life, you've obviously been inspired. Who's been a hero for you? Oh, Carl Sagan, hands down. Wow. He's an astronomer and scientist, yeah. public educator. I put it plainly, he saved my life. You know, know watching Cosmos was probably one of the 
if anyone out there hasn't done it, you got to see it. It really puts the, the, the timeline of our existence on this planet into perspective. It's so good to kind of think out and away from us sometimes because we tend to get big about what we think. Wow. Are yep. we just little, little pieces in a big, huge sand pit? Absolutely. And the way he talks about these concepts, it's so philosophical and so poetic. You know, I studied philosophy in university. I got a degree in government, which is basically a mix of political science, philosophy, and economics. And I think we do ourselves a big disservice by not including in that philosophy uh, realm things like what people like Carl Sagan or Richard Feynman or Buckminster Fuller provide, which is this way of looking at our place in the universe, our role as human beings in this world as guardians of human prosperity, right? As, as this humanist on a mission to ensure that we're able to create a better earth and a better life for others. And that's really what, what he did for me. He underscored our responsibility to do good to one another as we inhabit this tiny little dot in the universe. So Carl's not around, but who on this planet right now would you love to meet and talk to and spend some time with? Mm, right now it would be Sam Altman, the founder of OpenAI. Okay. You know, growing up, it used to be Elon Musk. He used to be a big hero of mine, but in the past couple of years, he's, he's really become different than what I admired in the past. Now it's Sam Altman, I think, has, has carried that mantle. So I'm interested in your perspective on AI. You know, there's a lot of fear now. It's become the topic that we never thought would be so in our faces as it's been in the last, you know, two to six months. Do you have any fears? Do you have faith in the human process to harness this technology? Where are you at with that? Yeah, yeah. I grew up fearful of AI, very, very fearful, because I was in a crowd that was like, okay, AI is going to be used as a tool by governments, by corporations to control us. And and on the other hand, AI could become a tool in and of itself that destroys us. Um, as I've changed my view of the world and, and my philosophy on these things, now I see AI as this, what I call, what my hope is, is that we have a caretaker AI, right? One that's able to say, hey, humanity you're meeting the thresholds of your ecological abilities and you're destroying your oceans or you're, you're, you know, putting out certain chemicals that cause certain kids to have cancer just because they were born in that area. And we need to stop that. That's, that's not great for people or Hey, humanity, you're allowing this person to, who's obviously, you know, has mental issues to have a child and abuse that child and to you know, destroy that child. Hey, that's a problem, right? Let's, let's try to, to put limits on these things. So there's obvious things that we should be doing as, as a, a human race that we're not doing. And I hope rather than AI being this terrifying, horrible thing that controls us and, and you know, destroys us, it becomes the opposite. It becomes the, the government that we've always wanted to have or becomes the, the God that we've always wanted to have. You know, I always joke that. 
God has been the the God of the Abrahamic religions is is that AI that people are always terrified of, right? He always watches you, he knows what you're doing, and if you're a bad kid, he punishes you. But, but depending on who you are, you know, some of us don't believe in that. But this AI could actually be that God, which uh, is scary for a lot of people, including myself. But if done correctly, it could be a, a wonderful thing because that is the whole point of a government, right? We have our police and everyone else to make sure humans don't behave badly and, and are, we're able to live in cohesive communities. I think sometimes the argument is, well, God didn't want that to happen. Well, if it's here, what are we talking about? Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> if it's in existence, then it was supposed to be here. So, you know, it's our responsibility to be responsible, so to speak. Yeah. You know? um, exactly. So, so obviously Carl Sagan had a mission and a philosophy in his life to be who he was that inspired you. What is your inspiration, your motivation in life to get you through to do the work that you do? Yeah, it's very clear that we live in a time for the first time in human history where we can, we can, but not all of us are able to control what we think and who we are and our identity and, and our emotions. Because on a biological level, right, we have medicine to help us do that. Hey, you're depressed. You have whatever disease that affects you mentally or physically there's medicine on a psychological level we understand the science to most degree of hey i'm struggling with uh, motivation okay there's tools to deal with that and a sociological level we understand much more about the ways that society interacts with each other and we know hey if you have a society where loneliness is dominant then your people are going to commit suicide and die deaths of despair like we're experiencing now. And we know the mechanisms to, to hedge against this, this loneliness epidemic, right? Because we didn't have it 60, 70 years ago, and we know why we didn't have these things. And, of course, there's nuance and there's controversies there. But anyway, for the first time, we're able to figure these things out. And, and not everyone having access to that, is, I think, is the greatest tragedy, Right? Being forced, I mean, I grew up in the South, and again, I grew up as an immigrant. I think in both societies, you have a lot of social pressure to be proud of your heritage and proud of where you're from. And I would see my friends struggle with, oh, I'm, you know, I'm from Kentucky. I'm kind of Southern, you know, pseudo-Southern, even though we were, we were, um, we were not part of the South. But people want to be proud of this thing. Just because they're told to be, same with me. Oh, oh, proud! Be proud of your Middle Eastern heritage or Iranian heritage. But I don't have to be. I can choose who I want to be, and I can get access to unlimited information in the world. So that is my mission: is to bring that to as many people as possible. Though I think there's a, a clear downfall to it, which we're learning again. As I told you, we're we're learning more about psychology and sociology, which is that this freedom has a cost. And this cost of it is, again, the, the mental pain we feel when we have all this freedom, right? the paradox of choice. And it's been really interesting for me exploring that recently, more exploring that more. Mm-hmm. So speaking of pride, what are you the proudest of that you've accomplished in your life up to this point? Um, the impact that I've had on certain individuals whether that's been the people that I've mentored and coached and been able to help them do as small things as help them find a new job, all the way to 
the relationships I've built with friends where I've been able to introduce new people together and they've become best friends and build these, these you know, little groups of new experiences and new emotions. I think so, that's what makes life amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. So in, in, in all of these people that you've helped, what's been the best success story that you've been a part of? Yeah. <laughs> I would have said my friend that I'm staying with right now who, you know, went from, and, and he loved being a waiter, don't get me wrong, but went from being a waiter to now being a product manager at, at a incredible um, software startup. Stories like that are, are what I'm really happy about, or more so when I moved to Denver, bringing three of my other friends to Denver and helping them get get jobs and just a new way of looking at life that you just don't see in Kentucky. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. So let's say you have a dream tonight. You run into a much younger version of yourself. And you could give yourself mm-hmm. a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in life. What would you tell your young version? Yeah, it would be around naivety. And I think I was very naive and idealistic about how the world could be and should be. And it got in the way of me. You know, I, again, we all have these goals. Hey, I want to be successful, right? But in order to, to be successful, what activities or traits or actions do I need to engage in? And my belief system at the time said, hey, I can get the success that I envision by being this hippie, you know, idealistic, naive guy. And that that is better for me in the long term. Right? That was the key assumption I made. But the reality of it was that it's not better for me in the long term because it set me up for failure. And with failure comes immense uh, struggles and obstacles that slow you down yeah. versus if you were to take a less obstacle-prone path. Yeah. yeah. So let's get to the heart and soul of who you are. Everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception mm-hmm. of you? Who do you think you are? Yeah, it really depends on who I'm interacting with. Um, I used to think there is, there's the self and there's the Farzad and Farzad is always the same person no matter where he goes. And I used to try to act that way as well. And what I've learned is that's not ideal and that really isn't why I'm, you know, the self is this ever changing thing. But the perception I like to have is, is two main things, which is, hey, Farzad follows the principle of charity, right? No matter what you say, even if you come to me and you say, hey, I'm a Nazi and I think, you know, all Iranians should be murdered. I'll be like, okay, let's let's dig into that. Let's figure out why you have this perspective without judging you morally and thinking you're a horrible human being. And the other part of what Farzad is, is the acknowledgement that everything I believe, everything I see, everything I admire is merely a reflection of the stimuli that's been introduced to my life and my genetics and not a reflection of the world as it actually is or the facts that the world bears out. And therefore, I should always be very humble in my interactions and willing to change my ideas. So now that we're emerging into this kind of new era of our lives, we've come out of a global pandemic. It's really done a lot of things to a lot of people. What What's your faith for humanity as we move forward? Do you feel like there's an enlightenment? Do you feel like there's a lot of light that's spilling in? What's your, what's your take on things as we move forward now? Yeah, I think we're at a precipice of a new era, right? There was, we've had these moments in human history before, 
whether it was the the great uh, technological advancements that were happening in the Bronze Age, and then we don't really know why there was an immense decrease in civilization and technology after the fall of the Bronze Age. Same with the Roman Empire and then a great fall. And then I would say same again in the Renaissance and Enlightenment, and, and we won. We did it correctly that time and really came out on the other side. And all of these were precipitated by technological and more importantly, like sociological or philosophical or economical uh, understandings. And we're at one of those times now with AI, with the internet, and with new knowledge of how humans work. I'm really, typically I'm very idealistic about where we can end up and where we can go. Though the past uh, year with um, the the dangers to going back to a multipolar world where we're in the constant threat of, hey, there could be nuclear war between the great powers. That's been the thing that, that worries me the most, right? There was this era of unipolarity with the U.S. domination, and that was an era of, of great peace for all the world. Of course, there's conflicts, but it's nowhere as scary as, hey, I'm China and I'm going to invade Taiwan any minute, or I'm Russia and I might nuke Ukraine if they do the wrong thing, and the horrible things that can come from that. that that's what worries me. I know a lot of people are worried about AI, but I really... I really do hope we can create a caretaker AI. Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone out there wants to learn more about you, your mission, your company, anything pertaining to your world, where can they go? Yeah, my baby now is Cicero.ly. So that's the website, C-I-C-E-R-O.ly. And that's our attempt at creating a personal librarian for you and finding the world's greatest thinkers and their podcasts, their articles, and their their videos in one place so that you can just learn about the world as it is rather than constantly be fed crap from TikTok and Instagram. And of course, I have uh, LinkedIn as well. LinkedIn forward slash Farzad Khosravi. Very simple. Right on. Farzad, thank you. I appreciate your time today. Best of luck. Have a great trip to Toronto and beyond. Yeah, thank you, Joe, for having me. I appreciate yes, it. Sir. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Music.